Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz-Scouspell. Uh, homecoming, uh, come and gone. Um, it was awesome to see so many people uh, at the tailgate, people coming in from out of town. Uh, thanks for everyone for stopping by and saying hi. It was really, really cool to see people. Um, the game was the game. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in just a sec. Um, wanted to mention something off the top. And uh, this is something that we're, we're still working on. But uh, for anyone who does not have tickets to the Wrigley game against Iowa, uh, we are in the early stages of planning a meetup, uh, planning a get-together um, to watch the game. Uh, all, all together at a, at a really, really cool place. Um, we're trying to, like I said, trying to uh, dot all the I's and cross the T's. But um, if this all comes together, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. So just wanted to get that on people's radar. Uh, you know, if you're not going to Wrigley, but want to want to get together with Northwestern fans to watch the game, uh, we got something cooking. The other thing, just on the back of that, that I just want to kind of, everyone to put a, a mental pin in is Sam and I have the last two tailgates that we've been at. All we've done nonstop is field comments from people being like, where did you get those hockey jerseys? Those are the sickest hockey jerseys <laughs> we've ever seen. And let me be as, as let me allow that to remind you all that those were amazing gifts given to us from Northwestern ice hockey and Northwestern Ice Hockey, we very much plan on putting together a get-together that you are all invited to where we will all just totally tie one on at a Northwestern hockey game. It's been complicated by the fact that like football has like come very close to not matching up to matching up, but hasn't and then basketball and like we're trying to find a, a time to do it. I think we're targeting something in January. There was a possibility that the Nebraska game would have been in play, but the Nebraska football game, even though it's a road game, is happening at the exact same time as a Northwestern ice hockey game. But we're going to make this work. Rest assured, um, we are um, dying to, to get out and put together a gathering to everyone to go watch Northwestern hockey. And uh, so, and we've, we've had plenty of conversations about it because plenty of people have been coming up to us going, what are those? And we've been like having to explain. So anyway. Uh, that's we've we've got things cooking is what we're saying there's a, there's an outdoor hockey game on january 21st just saying mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so let's get into this uh northwestern beats howard 23 to 20 um a game that was re i mean, got a little nervy there at the end but you know it, it's like it is what it is you know we, we've talked to people all up and down you know scuzz i'll give you the soapbox, you know, that this is just a lose lose situation. This FCS game, it is. I like, so I'm going to start with the positive like a win's a win, right? So, yeah, um, I think this fits up there with a hundred games. We've maybe not a hundred, sorry, F- 40 games. We've, we've all, you know, lost years off of our life, uh, over the past, uh, 15 years, right? Where, Northwestern gets out to a lead and then it, it the other team starts chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. These these things happen way too often in FCS games, in you know, non-conference MAC games. Um and uh I won't lie, like it's a it's a very familiar feeling for the three of us, uh, and for many of you all who are out there as well. It is not a happy place to be, and and what what you end up feeling like after the game is over is man. I realize we won, but I've spent the last, you know, 45 minutes gnawing my fingers off. And now I'm just angry that they didn't take care of business earlier in the game. Couple that with it being an FCS opponent, a team that Northwestern was dominating most of the first half, well into the to, to the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, you start to get frustrated that they didn't take it seriously, that they didn't work hard enough. I just, I like, I just pause on those things if you can i mean like this this is your classic game where a team like howard this is their opportunity that to be in the net maybe not national but they're, they're on big 10 network like this is you know 
Yeah, um, that's nationally televised. Yeah, national network. Um, great exposure for their program. They're they're you know I don't I I I don't want to assume I don't want to make the assumption that this mattered so much to them to call it their Super Bowl, but this was a huge spotlight game for them. You know, any way you want to slice it, and so um, it's one of the reasons that for the length of this podcast and many many years before it, I have. I have bemoaned the existence of the FCS game. I, I recognize its importance in the, the structure of college football in that um, it helps support some of these smaller teams. I've, I also simultaneously love that Northwestern played Howard. I mean, that the Howard band was incredible. Um, you know, everything that was advertised and more, um, but these, I, I, I hate these games. I wish they were exhibitions. I wish they happened the first week, you know, of the season and maybe didn't count. Um, or, or I, I like, look, I, it's, it's never a, you never come out of these games feeling good. Cause even if you did great, it's like, well, we can't take anything away. Cause we just thumped an opponent that, you know, we, we out physical, you know, six to one or, um, it's a close game and and you feel like crap because you think, Oh oh no, it's it's all the progress and all the promise that we've seen the last five weeks uh, out the window. And and that being said, I mean, there were, there were other factors at play here. I mean, Ben Bryant missed the game. AJ Henning missed the game uh, due to the injuries that they suffered against Penn state. So, you know, you're missing your starting quarterback. You're missing your, your big play wide receiver. Um, And, you know, there, there's other, other injuries too. You got the bye week coming up, so it's like, you know, anyone who might have been kind of on the fence, you maybe think, oh, let's let's give them an uh, give them this game off. You're off next week. Uh, you got two weeks to to recoup before Nebraska. I mean that that could play into it as well. I mean, maybe there. I mean, there. It's everything that Scuzz said, Sam. You and I ran into the parent of a Northwestern football player who played a ton in this game after the game. And that player told us very frankly, like, like my son just told me he hates this game. <laughs> and for all the reasons that Scuzz is talking about is because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? It's, it's one of those things where you know it's an FCS game. You have the pressure to win by, you know, to not just win, but look good doing it, right? Like, that's the implicit thing. But at the same time, no one, including the coaches, can escape the fact that it's an FCS game. And in Braun's case, he approached it differently, particularly at the end of the game. And honestly, we'll explain, and he had some good reason for making some of the decisions that he did. Um, but at the same time, the decisions that he'd never make if this was not Howard. And at the same time, Braun offered a very healthy dose of perspective after the game. Because it's very clear from Braun's post-game press conference that as he should, and we have all talked about this, every win is gold for this guy and he doesn't care how he gets them. And that was his attitude in the post-game. He's like, we're three and three. And it is like, we are three and three. And the ridiculous thing about these FCS games is, but for that moment, when for a split second the ball bounced off Rod Hurd's chest on that onside kick before he corralled it in, and I thought I was going to throw up, that <laughs> was the only time the entire game where the outcome was in doubt. It was a gross-looking game for a lot of the game, and we didn't get the scoreline that we want. But the game was in doubt for one moment on one play. And aside from that, it was just a road to win number three, um, the whole time. But I, I kind of want to say this one thing up top because I feel like underneath all of this and coloring this whole discussion of the game is this instinct that a ton of Northwestern nation has to be like, man, we thought things were going so great and then this happened because there's that knee-jerk reaction to be like, if you beat a MEAC team 23-20, to 20, a ton of things must have gone wrong in the game. And it's just not the way that this one went down. <laughs> um, well, I just like, like br briefly, you know, we, we all love to play the transitive property of college football game, you know, so-and-so beat so-and-so beat so-and-so beat so-and-so. And, and, you know, very, very quickly you get, you know, Northwestern is better than Alabama because of some, you know, convoluted, um, logic train. And that gets even, you know, 
uh, more haphazard when you start to, to think about, you know, scoring margin, et cetera. So like it is, it is extremely easy to do that, especially within our bubble. Um, but we all know that's not really how college football works. <laughs> any given any given Saturday and, and 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 whatnot, but like your your point, John, is that like there were some very specific things that went down in this game that that caused it to look the way it looked. Exactly, and it's I find myself in a little bit of a weird place here because to kind of to assuage all of your collective concerns that the sky is falling in a ton of different ways. We sort of have to get at something that we are loath to do on this podcast, which is discuss the performance of specific players. We hate doing this. You all know we avoid it like the plague. Um, I will all go at it this way. I've watched the game tape of this game tape many times. I've looked at Whoa, why? I've I, Again, I've, I've gone over it many times. I've looked at it all many times. And there are many specific plays that I could talk about. I'm not going to talk about those. And in exchange, I'm going to ask for the latitude from our listener base by just saying, all of you who've been listening to this pod for a while know that me particularly, John Lacombe, if this bus has a driver, I'm the driver of this bus, okay? (laughs) So... When I say that, like, the quarterback position, things did not go the way that we would like for them to have gone in this game, I hope that you'll just trust me because, like, I've got a lot of takes over the past couple of weeks that didn't age particularly well based on how this game went down. So, hopefully you'll take it on faith when I'm saying these things. I don't want to go through all the specifics. All I'll say is, It's important to bring this up for a couple specific reasons. And it's the couple specific things that a lot of people were talking about coming out of this game. One is the offensive line. Because on paper, there were four sacks given up in this game, and the offensive line committed a lot of penalties. But again, having watched all this tape again and again, I was reminded of the famous Daryl Royal quote relative to throwing the football when Daryl Royal was running the wishbone at Texas. And he was like, anytime you throw the ball, only three things that can happen, only three things can happen. And two of them are bad. Well, when the defense rushes at least five guys and the offensive line picks up every one of those five guys and protects and a legitimate pocket forms. And then the quarterback leaves that pocket by his own decision, only three things can happen and all of them are bad. Number one is you gain either one or two yards. Number two is you take a sack. Um, Or number three is one of the offensive linemen commits a holding penalty because he doesn't know that you're moving to the opposite side of his body and suddenly a guy that he's locked up with tries to move away from him. Um, Those three things were a massive portion of Northwestern's offense in this game. And of those four sacks, I haven't seen video of one of the four. Three of the other four, that is 100% why the sack happened. Um, It's just quarterback leaving a clean pocket. It's the protection is there, the time is there, there's a receiver, and it's just leaving, like, not liking that first read and just pulling it and taking off. And again, You saw Sullivan's 35-yard run for a touchdown at the start of the game. Um, That's what he brings. It's that special sauce. It's that magic sauce that Sullivan is capable of bringing. But from the moment he made that run for the rest of the game, Howard rushed at least five on every play and spied him with an additional player because they just assumed that he was going to tuck it and run anytime he didn't like his initial read. Um... And it's funny because we were talking with some people after the game and talking about, oh, you know, like the reason his accuracy is so high is he doesn't challenge himself downfield. And like if he does, he doesn't throw as accurate of a ball. No, that's not it. Brendan Sullivan, look at both of his touchdown passes. One was a laser on a slant pass. And the other was that double black diamond throw down the left sideline that he threw in the second half of the football game? Uh, Or was it the second quarter? Second quarter? 
Um, now I'm blanking. No, second half. Uh, third, yeah, third quarter. Second half. Um, he can put the ball where he wants to. It was just he was just tucking and run, tucking and run, tucking and run all game long. Um, again, I don't want to dwell on that other than to say he's got all the game tape in the world now to see exactly what he did in this game and the exact way that if he comes in another game down the road, he knows exactly what defenses are going to do and how defenses are going to play him, and he gets to react to that. In the post-game press conference, he was incredibly aware of all of these things. He totally gets exactly how this game went down. Um, but it's just important to understand that everyone was like, oh, this offensive line, like on the backs of that Penn State game and now this game, and it's like, I, I'd tell you otherwise if it were if it were otherwise, but it just ain't so. Like, that's not how this game went down. Yeah, you make a really good point on Sullivan in terms of, like, understanding how defenses are going to play him going forward, and I think it's really important to note, like, dude got injured against Minnesota last year and didn't play the rest of the season. Coming into this year, he has gotten on the field twice and led touchdown drives in the waning minutes of games that were totally out of reach against I, I you know I can't I can't go do the accounting on this but what I assume were a lot of second string defensive players and that's not to take anything away from what he's done on the field but we we talked a lot with um Cam Porter and you know the year after the year that the the first year you come back from injury you're still just getting your your confidence in your sea legs back to to be out there and to take hits and to be in a position for the first time where a defense has game planned for you is um, trying to take away what you what you typically do is is you know trying to make things difficult for you et cetera as opposed to um, those uh, you know waning couple drives in a, in a game that's out of reach is a very different uh, proposition for for a quarterback to be in the crosshairs and I can totally understand Sullivan being a bit concerned about throwing picks, about wanting to be a little bit more conservative, about being, you know, a little skittish hanging in the pocket, even though it was looking good. So, I mean, the, the, the other thing is, is, you know, we, we saw uh, a couple weeks ago against Minnesota, you know, Ben Bryant operating out of the true spread. That's not something we've seen from a Northwestern quarterback for a long time. And so you also got to factor in the couple years of, you know, Sullivan's experience and, tutelage uh in this bajakian offense that were very much about exactly what we did yesterday i think it's a lot of what what uh or, or on saturday it's a lot of what we saw uh in in 2022 and so um i think that's important to note that you know he he is also going to improve throughout the course of the year as he gets uh an, another bite at the apple and, and an opportunity to you know look back at the tape and learn from it which is um exact i mean it's exactly the mindset you want from a guy in this position so i i love that that's how he approached things post game well look at Kyle McCord right let's take him as exhibit a in the first game of the season Kyle McCord practically lost Ohio State a game against Indiana and this past saturday he outdueled Talia Tagovailoa straight up by a good margin and almost single-handedly won Ohio State a game in which they could not run the ball. Guys watch film and grow and adapt. And we've seen a lot out of Sullivan. And again, it like I don't want to go into all the specifics of it. This was why the offense did not work for massive stretches of this game. But you can look at the touchdown pass that he threw in the third quarter and be like, this is simultaneously what the problem was in this game and all of the je ne sais quoi, like intangible greatness that Brendan Sullivan brings to a football game. So on that play, they ran the exact same fake screen pump and go release play that they ran against UTEP to great effect. That was a touchdown for Thomas Gordon against UTEP. It's the same play. And on that play, you get the pump action, you get the release, and who who caught the pass? Was it Kurtz or was it Johnson? I'm trying to remember. Um, it's but the 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 long one. Yeah, um, the 35 uh, yard. That was Johnson. Johnson. So the key thing on this is this play works exactly how it works almost immediately, and Johnson's just open. Like as soon as the pump action happens, you get the drag pull out, and Johnson's just open. 
And the second that pump action is going, Johnson's open. The time to get him the ball is at that moment. The time when the ball actually leaves Sullivan's hand happens about three seconds later. Because Sullivan, for whatever reason, I mean, again, it's the symptom of everything we saw all game, just can't bring himself to pull the trigger then. And he then leaves the pocket, decides he doesn't like the protection anymore, the protection's there, the ball's already should have been gone out. He exponentially multiplies the degree of difficulty of this play by not throwing it at that moment and by leaving the pocket and then bails himself out with this unbelievable throw that he makes way downfield on the run on a dime. And it's like, you can't teach that part of it. He just has that piece. And it's the same piece that produced that 35-yard run at the beginning. And it's like, I think of Kane Coulter, we saw a lot of the same magic out of him. And we also saw a lot of the, you need to sit in the pocket longer with him. But again, you're, you're talking about a one you know an all-time electric Northwestern football player. Sullivan's got the same thing. But th- again. And, and yeah. what, what's tough, what's tough though, uh, for Sullivan, you know, he's not, he's not going to be, he's not the starter. So, you know, moving, it's not like he's got the next game to come back and, you know, fix it because, you know, Bryant should be back hopefully against Nebraska and, and, you know, Sullivan goes back to being the number two. So it's not like you get an opportunity to come right back and, uh, and, and work on that stuff. Right. And the flip side, right, is Bryant was questionable for this game. And almost like that almost had the smell of, look, if this wasn't an FCS game, they probably could have pressed him into service. And he has a bye week next week. And then he has Nebraska. But the other reason that it's necessary to even talk about this, and again, like, I'm, I'm not trying to dwell on it here. Like, this, like, the, but the other reason it's necessary to talk about it is the other thing that everyone was talking about coming out of the game, which was the defense. Well, and before, before we make that, that shift, I think it's worth calling out that even, even with that, proclivity to run and some of the hesitation throwing the ball just not looking quite in sync penalties etc this was still a 23 to 7 football game halfway through the fourth quarter and and that's i mean i'm glad you brought that up because that informed a ton of what we're about to talk about and this goes to that fcs piece which is Decisions that are made when you have a certain lead late in a game against an FCS team and you're trying to accomplish other things on the season as a whole, okay? So with the defense, the big thing off the top is a lot of people are talking about the run defense. And the reason a lot of people are talking about the run defense is Eden James, Edger and James' son, finished with 177 rush yards in this game. The key thing to understand with that is with Less than three minutes left in the third quarter, he had 44 rush yards in this game. And the team as a whole, other than him, had negative rush yards. So the team as a whole at that point had something like 35 rush yards. And it didn't look like they were about to break out of that. They'd been dominated and stuffed on the ground all game. And it had appeared to not be close, okay? At that point in the game, There was one crazy run that Eden James had, which truly was a comedy of errors. It looked like he was stuffed in the backfield. A couple of guys missed him. He water bugged and he ended up getting 26 yards. And Howard actually did not score points on that drive. But that was his first kind of bounce out game. But a couple really key things to understand about that. First of all, did the run defense get worse after that point? Yes. But when we say after that point, remember we're talking about three minutes left in the second quarter. And he doesn't bust that 64-yarder until there's like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, okay? At that point in the game, prior to that, Northwestern's up 23-7. They have stoned Howard defensively nearly the entire game. And the key thing is, did he run for a lot of yards after that point? Yes. But if Ben Bryant starts this game, at the time of this game, when it's 23 to 7, it is minimum 37 to 7. And then no one would care about anything that happened afterwards. We ended up, we would do, end up winning this game. We, yeah. Do we want to talk about uh, the choice to go for it on fourth down, you know, that, that led to that uh, 64 yard run? Because like it was what, fourth and five. 
and it was just outside of like borderline edge of Olsen's range, but because of the wind, you know, do you, you know, do you try to, you try to kick the long field goal? Do you try to pin him deep? Let's let's they, not they look to gift horses in the mouth, Sammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this just sounds like one of those like, yeah, it was borderline and like I just I would always prefer the coach go for the aggressive call. Yeah. And okay. I could just get like, you know, you take that long field goal, you miss it. Well now now you back yourself up ten yards, right? Well, I mean they they took a sack, so yeah, it was back yeah, up so, ten so, yards. So same deal, but again, I don't want to go through individual plays on that play. Both, both of the play side wide receivers just went ran quick button hooks and they were both open. I mean, it was just you got to get the ball out, and that happened a bunch. But again, like it's the, but the key thing about that, and the other reason I bring it up, aside from if we had scored as many points as we would have with Bryant starting this game, most people would have been asleep by the start of the fourth quarter of this game. The other thing is. Despite all that, we were still up 23-7, and Howard had done basically nothing on the ground up to this point in the game. So Braun started doing a couple of things that ended up being key to Eden James's running for a ton of yards late in this game that he would never have done against an FBS or especially a Big Ten opponent. He just started playing different formations. One, he played a lot of really light pass rushers because... He just didn't think Howard was going to throw for the rest of the game. And he was continually trying to generate pass rush without bringing a blitz. Just because you, you mean you mean that he, he didn't think Howard was going to run the rest. Of the game. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't think Howard was going to run the rest of the game. He thought they were going to have to throw. Well, and this is this is the exact strategy that worked so well against Utah State. I think that's really important to call out. UTEP. Like is, yeah, yeah, yeah. UTEP. Yeah, this is something that we we, we praised him for and that in UTEP, like, as the game went on and as UTEP was forced more and more to pass, in part because Northwestern had scored so many points, um, he, you know, brought more and more, like, it was, first it was Saka, and then it was Saka and Pate, and then it was Saka and Pate and Soros, right? Like, we like we talked about that progression throughout the second half against um, against UTEP, and it seems like we, he, he, for very good reason, took the same strategy here, and then it just didn't quite pay off. Well, right. And then there's there's that subtle difference, too, where you see the way Braun approaches an FCS game. And honestly, he approaches it the way I think a lot of us would love any coach to approach it, where he can't resist being like, I want to try some stuff. I, I got stuff I want to try. I got stuff I need to know if it works or not. And if not now, when I have a sizable lead heading into the fourth quarter against an FCS opponent, when? And again, it's that same thing. It's that poison pill of an FCS game. Because one thing that was very clear is anytime Northwestern brought pressure in this game, anytime they blitzed, they had tons of success. There's a reason Xander Mueller has two sacks in this game. And both of those sacks were intentional grounding plays because the play was done almost the second they called the play. It's just Howard didn't pick it up. He comes right in free. Quentin Williams just chucks it wherever he can, and it's intentional grounding. One of those was the safety. But again, Braun is like, I got to see if I can get pressure with four here. Like, And honestly, I think he thought, and we thought, that we'd get a little bit more pressure based on the UTEP game um, in this game with four. And as it was, we only ended up getting one sack in this game, a Richie Haggerty sack, um, aside from when we weren't blitzing. We only got one sack rushing with four, and that was after Howard's starting left tackle was hurt and their backup left tackle was in. Um, but this is all a long way of saying Braun had personnel in on first down multiple times all through the end of this game that he would never have on first down. Light pass rushing ends. Specifically on the 64-yarder, he had in the hole to the play side a true freshman, true pass rush defensive end on the field because he didn't think Howard was going to throw, and he's trying to get run, guys run. Yeah, he, he didn't he, think Howard was going to run. I keep saying this, yeah, um, because it's running is what happened all fourth quarter, right? He didn't think Howard was going to run. He thought they were going to throw 
because they hadn't had success running all day. And he's trying to get and, and guys. They're and they're down big and they're trying right. to get back into the game. Exactly. And he's trying to get guys quality reps. And what happened? Howard ran a play to the play side. They moved that true freshman defensive end out of the hole, got a clean release, and the rest of it was just Eden James being ungodly fast. And he go through. But again, if you're looking at all the tape being like, oh man, these defensive line, they seem like they took really big strides and then it all came came crashing down. That's just not what happened. His other biggest run of the game, and again, this is a guy who got almost all of his yards in the game on three carries. The last one was just, again, on first down, we had a light pass rush specialist in the hole to the play side. Braun hasn't done that the entire season. He's trying to get guys reps. Um, and again, no one would care if we had 37 points in this game heading into the fourth quarter. But again, it's like, it's all, again, it's everything Scus said. It's the poison pill of these FCS games. There's so much of it. We should just be like, we should all just shut up and take our win and just move on. Well, I think, I mean, the one thing that we will, Braun will have to look out for, right, is like, this is on tape. Teams are going to be looking for those opportunities on, you know, he's established himself as a guy that's going to change things up during the game. He's going to adapt. He's going to shift around. Really smart, effective offenses, like, are going to try to take advantage of that. It's it's something that we're going to have to watch for in the coming weeks. But, like, I think, I think like, big picture, much like we were talking about last week, like, big picture, we got through the FCFs game. It's 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 always a nightmare, folks. If you if you're if you're you know relatively new to this world, and you're like, crikey, we lost to a to an FCS team last year, and and we barely beat them this year. Like, this is par for the course, going back a long time. Um, welcome welcome to my waking nightmare. Um, <laughs> but hey, we're we're three and three at the midpoint of a season where pretty much the entire world thought we were going to go two and ten, including myself. And yeah. I think it's it's a testament to what we've seen from the coaching staff and the players, especially in that UTEP game, that Minnesota game. It's um, a testament to how these guys have you know supported each other and really bought in to David Braun in the toughest of circumstances. And um, I like n- n- none of us thought we would be in this position. And it's a it's it's a great jumping off place uh, to be with the back half of the season coming up. They get two weeks now to rest, recover, continue to learn, continue to progress, and then play a really broken <laughs> set of of conf- of division opponents for the the subsequent you know five of the subsequent six weeks of the season. And and, and what's wild is you you look ahead to the second half of the season and. You know, there are you could you don't have to squint at all to see three wins in in there. I mean, I'm not saying that we're gonna win them, but like there are winnable games coming up, no doubt. It's like, do you think Nebraska right now is looking at our FCS game and being like, Oh ho, look at Northwestern, like barely beating an FCS opponent. We're licking our chops. No, because every Nebraska fan watched that Nebraska Illinois game Friday night. That crime against football that those two teams <laughs> played, uh, they get it. Like, the, that was a gross football game that Illinois just managed to play even worse than Nebraska again. It's like, did you watch Iowa-Minnesota? Uh, wasn't it something like Iowa, I'm blanking on Iowa's quarterback's name, but they won with, I think, his QBR on the day was like three. It might even been like 2.7 or something like that. In a football game that Iowa won, I mean, I it's think like, you meant Iowa Purdue, not Iowa Minnesota. Iowa Purdue, right? Um, his his QBR was, I think, yeah. Sub- De- Deacon Hill's QBR was 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 two point oh, and, and QBR is a stupid stat, right? Um, Hudson Card on the other side was twenty seven, but right. six Deacon Hill was six of twenty one for one hundred and ten yards, one TD, and one pick. That's right. um, that like, I I I don't. You have to go back to some pretty horrific quarterback performances in 2019 to see that kind of those kind of numbers from Northwestern. There is nary a team in the Big Ten West that is pointing at the Northwestern Howard game and laughing right now. That team does not exist. Maybe yeah. Wisconsin, um, 
But that, I mean, that's it. It was a rough go. It was a rough outing for that side of the conference. Well, so again, again, you know, we're gonna we're gonna walk through the other Big Ten games here in a sec, like we like we usually do. But I do think it's like worth calling out again. Like this team is in su- surprisingly decent shape with regard to this year. Now, I you know, obviously the future is is who knows. Um, there's so many variables, so many questions. We haven't seen David Braun, you know, out. I know there's a lot of people talking about him potentially, you know taking the interim tag off or those sorts of things. Like, is he the guy? Um, we, we have heard that um, Northwestern has not brought in a search firm um, to go make a, a, a new head coach hire. So, you know, I, I think it's a little too early to be making assumptions, but the reality is like, we, we haven't seen him operate as a recruiter. We haven't seen him operate in the off season. So we, we do not know what the future looks like, but the, the, the near term of the next seven seven to eight weeks looks um, pretty pretty bloody entertaining and exciting to be a Northwestern football fan. Well, I, on, on that point, I mean, it's interesting because we did get two commits this past week, right? And didn't yeah. one of them one of them said, you know, in in while Braun was recruiting him, he said, you know, I don't know what I'm what's going to happen next year. I don't know what if I'm going to be. I don't know what my title is going to be. You know, and so like whether he's head coach, whether he's DC or or whatever, but like the guy's like, I don't, I don't care. I want to come play with this guy. You know, I don't care if I'm playing with him or for him, but like, I want to, I want a part of this. And that's really, really cool to hear. It's fantastic. And it dovetails with something that Sammy and I heard so many times. I mean, like while we were at the tailgate Sunday, we talked to people who work in the athletic department. We talked to parents I heard a story relating to an interaction with a noted journalist all saying the same thing, which is that David Braun is the nicest flipping guy and everyone is in an open love affair with this guy. Everyone is like, he walks up, we heard from student journalists to be like, he went out of my way to identify me, walk up and like introduce me in the most, you know, and introduce himself to me in the most humble way possible. And people being like, he, you know, is pointing to someone and being like, oh, you're the nice and someone being like, I've talked to this guy and he is unbelievably nice, the most humble, just nice. And it's just like, you watch the press conferences, you see the same thing. He is an open book. He wears his heart on his sleeve and he's, it just, there is not an easier guy for Northwestern Nation to fall in love with, and they have. And he's three and three right now. You want to root for him to get all the wins in the world, but you don't have a you know too too hard to see how recruits have been charmed by this guy so far. And I kind of feel like a lot more will be, and you kind of want to see him actually get the chance to to work and recruit. But but yeah, I mean, it's you step back and you're like. He is a, seems to be a great guy who has done a great job so far. And it's like, divorce yourself from the specifics of this game. We're, we're three and three. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! And, you know, with the bye week coming up, we don't have a game to preview this week. So I, I think with that, let's go ahead and, you know, look around, look around the conference. And, you know, we're getting into, you know, we're in October now. We're starting to get a sense of who, of who these teams are, of, of what's what's what. And, you know, you look at, you know, Michigan 52, Minnesota 10. You look at, you know, Ohio State 37-17 over Maryland, uh, Wisconsin 24-13 over Rutgers, Iowa 20, Purdue 14. And then obviously the Nebraska Illinois travesty, um, you know, you're start, you're really getting a sense of of what else is out there. Yeah, I. It's funny. Like I think it says all all about the the state of the overall Big Ten. That Maryland kind of got thumped by Ohio State in a game where Talia had a bad game, and you could absolutely talk me into Maryland being the fourth best team in the Big Ten right now. I just. Me, me, me. Maryland was yeah. up in that game. 
they were up in that game early, and then it was tied at half. It was a very close game in the third quarter and just fell apart in the fourth. And honestly, they let them back in with a pick six. So they were up 10 nothing, and then and had the ball and threw, threw uh, a pick six. Um, and that, that's what got Ohio State back in it. And then, yeah, in the fourth quarter, they just their defense just kind of finally fell apart. So I like Mar- Maryland is very alive and well. Um, and this game just kind of, you know, got rolling in the wrong direction for them. But, um, yeah, I, the, the, <laughs> I mean, do we don't, you guys want to go chronological? You want to start with Nebraska, yeah. Illinois? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I just, I like, I know, I know John has a lot of thoughts about, um, Heinrich Harburg, the, the quarterback for Nebraska, which really, really seems like a throwback to like, like the, the, um, not even Adrian Martinez, like the Taylor Martinez years. Um, but I want to start on the Illinois side because in a game where Illinois was at home and was never down more than two scores, never down more than two scores, they ran the ball 19 times, 12 times with their running backs. They ran the ball 12 times with their running backs. This is a team that did everything that they did last year basically on the, on the, on the backs of their running game. This is a team coached by Brett Bielema for God's sake. And they threw the ball. They attempted 47 passes. Nope. That, yeah. that ain't it guys. That is preposterous. And it just like the, the point is, this is not about how good Nebraska, like, like Nebraska's defense was fine because they, they basically only had to defend like the 10 yards in front of the line of scrimmage. Um, and then they, Clearly didn't have to worry about the run. Um, Illinois is a to 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 say that they have um, they're in like a crisis of of identity and confidence relative to, to last year is an extreme understatement. This team could not be further from what they oh, were yeah. last year. And I mean Altmeyer. If you find yourself bemoaning the fact that you wish our quarterback would have gotten the ball out more times against Howard maybe like walk a mile in Illinois shoes where their quarterback tries to throw an interception on like one out of every three throws or just like misses a guy by uh, like like he he was missing like five yard button hooks by like two yards like like throwing so far wide it might as well have been going for two he different is wide receivers. A little guy who runs around, and I watch some of his throws and go, "What? Who is that to? Like what?" And I mean, their their offenses. Whoa, Nelly. And then Harburg. I mean, obviously, I think we'll talk more about him next week. But I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to besmirch a guy deeply that we are literally rolling into a game for. But I mean, I. He's this was a very lightly recruited quarterback and you watch him and he doesn't do a heck of a lot to dissuade you from the notion that he was a highly a very lightly recruited quarterback. And again, he is not Nebraska's first option. He is not who they planned on rolling with right now. He is a local kid who is on the team and they're going with him right now and he kind of throws sidearm. He likes to run a lot, but he's not particularly fast. Um and and he was definitely the better quarterback in this game. Um, yeah, it was. It was again. We get to play both of these teams going forward. I, the, here's the thing I'll say about Harburg is when he's able to 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 get yards, he ran 18 times for 82 yards and a TD against Illinois. Um, when he's able to run the ball, that that does some stuff for him. Um, passing wise, like against Illinois and Michigan, he was pretty similar. You know, fifty six percent against Michigan, two hundred yards, like not not terrible. He just could not move the ball with his legs at all. And when he's not running and throwing, they're they're Nebraska's pretty much incapable. So so it, I mean, it's a very much a throwback to when it was a hundred percent on the quarterback to do everything. Um, and he's and he's clearly I, the reason I said earlier, like Taylor Martinez, not Adrian Martinez, is that. Adrian Martinez being the more recent guy, the four-year starter under Scott Frost, who was really quite a talented guy, struggled a lot with with turnovers. Taylor Martinez was, um, from a prior manifestation, 
exact same player, just not nearly as, as, uh, as physically gifted. Um, but it is, it's like a kind of, it's like a one man show and that one man does not, you know, put the fear of God into your heart. I feel like because we haven't mentioned his name nearly enough, but I mean, that's because he's hurt and he didn't play in our last game. If you ask me what I'd rather have Ben Bryant or either of these two quarterbacks, I'm going to reply, is that a trick question? Uh, it's not, it's not even, that's not, that's not a question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Michigan 52, Minnesota 10. We we've seen Minnesota. We know their, their struggles. Michigan is every bit as good as we thought they were. If if Minnesota can't run the ball, they they just they can't they can't do anything. Well, and, and, they, and, and, and Taylor's and out. Credit, isn't he? credit. Um, I think he might still. Be yeah, hurt. Darius Taylor didn't. Darius Taylor didn't play in this game, so he's hurt. And they still. I mean, credit where credit's due. Minnesota ran the ball forty times and attempted sixteen passes. So like they know, they just couldn't get first downs. Uh, Kalik Manis threw two picks. Like this is this was a situation where. They were totally outgunned, and then I think things just really didn't go their way, and Michigan played a really, really good game. So, um, we mentioned the Ohio State Maryland game. Um, you know, what's the takeaway? I mean, we're not. I, I don't care about Ohio State. I, you know, Maryland. This was their first loss, and you know, as we said, Talia had a rough game. Like we see Maryland in a few weeks. What uh, what scares you? What you know, looking ahead three weeks. I, I mean, I think, I mean, again, this is a guy who absolutely torched a couple teams leading into this game. And we know that he's an NFL prospect for sure. I think I feel, cause I feel like this has happened before with him against top teams that he knows it's all on him. And I think he he tries to hero ball it a little bit sometimes. I think the shocking thing for me in that game is wasn't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because Ohio State had like zero success on the ground in that game, I think. So this is so Maryland's run D is surprisingly impressive. Like they held Indiana to three yards per carry. They held Michigan State to three yards per carry. They held Ohio State to two yards per carry. Some of that is, you know, they got they got some sack yard of John McCord. But um, part of it, too, is that um, Trayvon Henderson did not play. Okay. Uh, so it was, it was mostly chip Tranum, and then Mayan Williams, you know, had six carries. So like they, for, for whatever reason, they didn't, they didn't have their, their, their big gun and that could be the difference. But even still Maryland's run D has been surprisingly good, um, in their, in their last four games. And that does give me some worries for Northwestern that, you know, like, I love Ben Bryant, but but a but a track meet game against against Tonga Bailoa, um, both teams you know chucking the ball does does not feel. That's great. credit to Maryland too, because if you remember, like they promoted um, their uh, defensive line coach to DC, and he was not the intended, the initial intended guy to have that job, and they really kind of ended up there, and they fielded a great defensive line last year and then turned the entire two deep over and if they've been able to engineer a good run d with all new parts then that's a real testament to him and they're actually potentially building a little bit of defensive culture there but yeah i mean again i'm like i wouldn't talia has a couple of games this season where he was in god mode and i wouldn't be assuming that we're gonna get the 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 performance he put up against ohio state it it is going to be a real bummer for me if Tonga Valoa does not get one of the big three in the East this year. And I, you know, on paper, I felt like that Ohio state game was the best chance. Um, however, it was the one road game. So he gets home games against Penn state and Michigan in November. And those are, if you're, you know, a junkie, those are <laughs> appointment viewing. Um, Cause they're going to be pretty, pretty interesting. And, and who knows, maybe they'll be over fast because those, those offenses are really good and, and Maryland's defense won't be able to keep up. But um, I, I just, I'll just be really bummed for him if he can't get one of the, one of the big, big 10 teams in the East. Uh, and, and on the other side, I mean, we brought it up much earlier in this pod, but Kyle McCord has gotten a lot better and I still can't believe Ohio state is ranked third in the nation, but they have gotten a lot better and it really is like the top three. It, it is a three team race in this conference. Ain't no one else close, but it is going to be interesting to see all those teams play each other. Uh, Rutgers, Wisconsin, 24, 13, Wisconsin. Uh, this was an interesting one. So it, it, it was, and 
you know, it was 17 nothing at half. And then Rutgers started to make a bit of a comeback. Um, they got a TD. Wisconsin scored again. They got another TD. But, you know, with four minutes left, right, they, you know, they were down uh, 11. So you knew the game was, you know, most likely over. Um, I can't, you know, I, it has felt to me like Wisconsin has been figuring it out steadily week by week. And, um, you know, they, they, they lost that game against Washington State, who's gone on to have some, some other big ones. They seem to really get right against Purdue two weeks ago, and then this uh, this this um, win over Rutgers looked relatively nice. But when you when you dig under the covers, like some of the same problems are still there. So Braylon Allen carried the ball twenty one times for hundred yards, like that's great. Um, Rutgers, you know, defense held him in check relative to how he's performed in some other games, namely that Purdue game where I think he averaged like eight yards per carry. But still, like Tanner Mordecai. 31 passes in this game was barely over 50% completion averaged 4.7 yards per attempt um carried the ball another 11 times grand for 50 yards but still I just I just hate everything about how this Wisconsin team is operating and like again they seem to have figured it out they've gotten a lot better on the defensive side especially in their pasty um they you know they get an ailing uh Iowa next week and then Illinois before playing Ohio state on 10 28. So like that's, we won't really know if Wisconsin has, has figured stuff out until the end of October. But um, I, I, I guess the thing you could say about them is that they're the one team in the West that looks pretty solid across the board. And I, you know, I do think that there are, are some warts underneath the surface, but everybody else has got warts like, you know, on their face <laughs> right now. Um, and then Iowa Purdue, twenty to fourteen. Iowa wins, but my God, we talked a little bit about the quarterback situation, and you know, so Cade McNamara gets injured last week. Um, this Deacon Hill dude, who's like built like a brick house, he's two hundred sixty pounds, six foot three, um, comes in against Michigan State and. Looks pretty. Looks okay throwing the ball. Like throws a throws a touchdown on his first drive, um, but fo- like forty percent of his passes were complete. Drops below thirty percent against Purdue. Um, this guy is just not a quarterback. So I like they're they're either going to have to figure out how to run the wing T, or um, I I don't even know who else they they have on the roster. I'm 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 looking at it right now. So they've got um uh a true freshman in Marco, Marco lanes and um, a sophomore in Joe Labus. Like maybe another freshman in Tommy Poloski. Like maybe we start to see some of these players in the next couple of weeks, but I just don't see how they can carry on with, um, with Deacon Hill. I mean, again, like their defense is good enough that, and they, and they ran the ball really well in this game. Caleb Johnson rushed for 134 yards and a touchdown. Um, like the, the defense is good, but it's not last year. Good. So like, are they, are they just going to like stubbornly soldier on and keep doing what they're doing? I mean, that would be very, that'd be very forensian if you will. I mean, they've, I was just been several games where you're like, well, I guess someone had to win one of these games and it was Iowa, but I mean, it's not, it's right. I mean, again, like they're playing some absolutely atrocious offensive football for the second season in a row. Well, here, here's what's crazy real quick. So they go to Wisconsin next week and then they have at four games in a row at home, Minnesota, Northwestern Rutgers, Illinois, before going at Nebraska to the end. I mean, they, they, they could, they could easily go 10 and two with that lineup. Well, not home. Even with this quarterback situation. Well, not home unless you're talking about the friendly confines of Wrigley Field as a home game for, for Iowa. <laughs> They're, uh, Oh, it's list. It's listed as a home game on their schedule on ESPN. It just says versus Northwestern. What does oh, it say? Wow. On, what yeah, does it no, say that, on, that's a it may feel. It may what feel like an Iowa home thing? game, um, but yeah, our thing says versus Iowa. So you're right. That is. So yeah. So they have uh, three of their three of their next four at home after Wisconsin. Yeah, um, yeah I don't. I mean, but I, again, like I, if they can run the ball, I guess it. This is as good a time as any to point out something that, um, just as one way to encapsulate the entire Big Ten West, there is only one team in the Big Ten West right now that through half of a season has both scored more points than Northwestern has 
and given up less points than Northwestern has. There's one team that fits that criteria, and it's the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, everyone else has their warts in some way or another and has something that they've done worse than than Northwestern has so far this season. And as Scuzz has very clearly outlined, it's not like, like Wisconsin's no peach. Like, they've got plenty of problems, too. And I think we'll see what we'll both Wisconsin and Iowa are about next week. Uh, so speaking about next week, uh, let's quickly run through uh, that schedule. Uh, you got 11 a.m. on Fox, Indiana at Michigan. Um, yeah, Michigan, a 33-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 47-and-a-half. Lord. Lord almighty. They're, they're going to they're gonna cover that one, I think. Uh, you got the Peacock game, also at 11. Um, this, get out those streaming services. Ohio State at Purdue. Ohio State, a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll use this as an opportunity to insert the fact that I would really be thinking Purdue actually had a shot in this game if Jeff Brom was still the coach of <laughs> Purdue because that man has magic flowing from his fingers right oh, now. Oh, man. And, yes, he does. And cannot, cannot lose. They're ready to build a statue of him in Louisville. But, uh, but yeah, no. Ryan Walters, someday, but uh, not this day. Uh, Michigan State at Rutgers, also at 11 o'clock. Rutgers, a five-and-a-half-point home favorite. Over-under is 40-and-a-half. The only Big Ten game that's not a double-digit line right now. Um, I mean, I, you know, it, we, we Michigan State has shown, I guess they showed a little bit of, of, of get up and go against Iowa two weeks ago, but they've shown pretty much nothing since, since – uh, the Tucker news, and I don't expect that to change. I'm a little shocked by this line because every team Rutgers has played this season that fits the Michigan State definition, they have smoked. So I, I five five something seems a little low to me. You've got UMass at Penn State. Penn State, forty three <laughs> point favorite over us is hide, hide the kids. Yeah, stop, stop. He's already dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Illinois at Maryland. Maryland a 14, only a 14-point favorite at home against Illinois. That seems low. That's a 2.30 game on uh, NBC. Well, I tell you what, if trends hold, Illinois ain't going to be able to run in this game, and I don't like I don't like how that sounds. Yeah, I and, and you know, like, I think Illinois, with the Nebraska game as an example, right? I mean, Illinois, especially that front seven, they do what they can to keep the, the team in the game, but... Uh, that back four, it ain't NFL starters anymore, and and Talia is an NFL player, and I think yeah, fourteen seems low to me. And then uh, three o'clock on Fox, Iowa at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin a ten point favorite over under thirty six and a half. I mean, here's the thing: like with Wisconsin doing the weird things that they're doing on offense, like we we know this Iowa defense can cause turnovers and score and if and if they if they put the ball in Tanner Mordecai's hands 50 times in this game like they did in the last one like you, that's playing with fire I'm just gonna say it right now you you are playing with fire if that's your approach you put the ball in Braylon Allen's hands 30 times and you know minimize your exposure with with Mordecai running around there uh, and and like give it to him 20 times on play action. Like I like that a lot better against a team that has pretty much proven it can't score offensively. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what they do. I mean, Iowa could absolutely win this one 10, seven because they don't turn it over and Mordecai throws a pick six. Like that is for sure on the table. As you say, at the same time, Wisconsin could win this 30 to nothing. Maybe. I mean, again, that would be a heck of a coming out party for that offensive system against this Iowa defense. Have we heard any update on Ches Malusi? I mean, we have, I haven't seen him in the lineup in the past couple of weeks. I know, I know he got hurt. Do we know how bad? No, I don't. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, again, I like credit to Iowa's defense. It's not quite what it was last year, but you still see them handling everybody. And Again, it's like it's not like Wisconsin has something that's clicking right now that they're bringing into yeah. that game. Bro- broken leg against Purdue, he's out for the year. Oh yeah. wow! Okay, yeah. Whew. 
All right. Uh, looking nationally, we got games on Tuesday night. We got games on Wednesday night. We got games on Thursday and Friday. You got college football every single day this weekend or this week. Um, you know, a bunch of Conference USA games and Sunbelt on Tuesday. Uh, you've got um, what CUSA games on Wednesday. You've got you know West Virginia Houston, a Big Twelve game, which still baffles me a little bit on Thursday. I just want to say. It is a testament to the power of branding that I'm referring to everything you just said as Maction, even though none of it is Maction. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, Stanford, Colorado on Friday, uh, 9 o'clock Central on ESPN. Ooh, that's, that's fun. Colorado, 12-point home favorite. Um, that, yeah, that, that is fun. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, again, it's a good Friday night. Uh, and honestly, I feel—I mean, for me personally, this one, this is looking like an apple picking weekend. So if I'm watching football, Friday night might be when I'm watching it. So, <laughs> yeah. John, John, we went apple picking last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are texting me about uh, about <laughs> 64, yard, sixty-four yard runs, and I'm chasing my four-year-old who's who's got the 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 giant claw thing and is you know destroying the the. The product, yep. but um, I you know so, so just building off of that Colorado Stanford gig, like Pac twelve, uh, all but one of the games are pretty good games, and they have what to me looks like the headliner of the weekend, and that's Oregon Washington. Oh yeah, oh that game for sure, an absolute monster. Yeah, and yep. then big, and, big, it's a great Big Ten matchup right there, Oregon, yeah, Washington. Oregon <laughs> yeah, Washington, right. and then um, I don't know. Still, still, maybe in the future, a Big Ten matchup, um, USC Notre Dame uh, at seven thirty. Surprise! Ooh. Notre Dame is favored in that game. That's, really? I mean, honestly, like that one to me, I'm like, that has the the tenor of this college football season after the couple of weeks Notre Dame has them coming out and knocking off USC would not surprise me in the least. I'm just like, this has been such an up and down. Texas becoming the latest example, but. I mean, well, Texas dr- losing the red the the Red River rivalry is that's on brand. Like that game, basically, like if you want to if you want to pick that game, whichever team is supposed to win, just pick the other one. You're going to be right like 17 out of the last 25 years. Wow, that, that's true. Um, I made those numbers up, but I it feels. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I I'd buy it. I don't need to go check that. Um, Kansas Oklahoma State is is fun. That that'll be good times. That's two thirty on Saturday. Uh, FS one. Yeah, shootout. BYU TCU could be could be a good time. Um, let's see what else? Just zipping through here. How about Louisville? Yeah, how Louis- about, I mean, like Louisville it, it, they're Pitt. playing Pitt, but oof, Louisville. Big big you know letdown energy here, but um, man, Louisville is five and zero, six and zero under Jeff Brom. Uh, they absolutely destroyed Notre Dame this past weekend at home. Um, I, you know, it's, 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 it is going to be hard for them to come out with that same energy uh, this upcoming week. But regardless, like they, um, Brom's the real deal. He's such a good coach. He's such a good coach. I, I just, I like, it's, a, it's amazing to me that he took what is, widely considered a step down leaving Purdue, leaving the big 10 for this Louisville job because it's his alma mater and immediately brought his brother over as OC. And they're just, they're just dominating. And they, I mean, this is a guy, he won the big 10 West last year and now he's six and oh at Louisville. Like, I mean, yeah, dude's awesome. He's a great coach. Uh, Miami at North Carolina. Um, Miami going to take a knee. I don't know. Oh, ouch. Shots fired. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Shots fired. I keep, you know what? I come back to that game. We totally ran at least one, maybe two plays at the end of the game before we just kneeled it down. And uh, it's the kind of thing a million teams do and you never notice. And then, you know, when it happens, it's like a disaster. I will say it's happened to Cristobal. It's happened to Cristobal twice now. He did. It happened to him at Oregon. And then it happened again this past week. I, I will say about this, again, only because it's been very much lost in the shuffle. 
that dude didn't fumble that football. And it's like because the because the announcers were so on it and he should have kneeled and they addressed the fact that he should have kneeled before he called the run and then the ball came out on the run and then everything that happened, the guy's knee was down and that was not a fumble. The ball came out. It was ripped out after he... And they had enough circumstantial evidence to overturn it, but they didn't have direct evidence to overturn it, so they didn't. But it it's one of those things that because of everything else that happened, it's just going to be lost to history. But yeah, rough, rough week for Miami. Uh, did we talk about UCLA, Oregon State? That, that'll that be fun. It's in Corvallis. Yeah, another, yeah another, another pairing of decent teams. There's a lot of good matchups this weekend. You got, you got Missouri, you know, took LSU to the wire last week. Yeah. It's Kentucky. You got NC State uh, visiting Duke. Like, it's just there's a lot of good, a lot of good, interesting games. Um, Auburn LSU is always like chaos. That's a chaos game um, from years past. So uh, yeah, it should be a fun. It's a fun weekend to have a bye. That's for sure. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and in my case, it's a lot of great games that I'll read about while I'm like in some apple cider donut induced hangover, like you know, lying in some field somewhere looking at my phone. Maybe get getting lost in the corn maze. That's exactly a little hayride, little corn <laughs> maze. That's where that's where I'm headed. Nice. N- nice, nice to know that suburban Illinois and suburban Ohio are basically the same thing. Yep. <laughs> um. Anything else to mention before we get out of here today, guys? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Again, like, like back to where we started. I, that was all a lot of talk about how like I wouldn't take too much out of this. Like. Shake it off, hose it off. We got an extra week. We're three and three. Like Scuzz said, we thought, you know, we thought so many people thought we were two and ten. We're three and three. There's all kinds of meat on the bone, starting with Nebraska. Um, you know, we got a we got a real six game season now. A real yep. live six game season full of games we will all care about. What a celebration it is that we have that. So yeah, we'll get into it more next week. Well, just to double down on that that bye week, two weeks off. Our our two our two best players didn't play last week, or this past weekend, and um, hopefully that's time for them to get right and come back for for this for this really fun stretch run that we're gonna real really relish. Absolutely. Uh, well, on that note, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flagging the Red Pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.